He's got a beautiful back swing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. And guys, before we get started, I do want to let everybody know to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, it's at 73rd Hole and Twitter at the 73rd Hole. Normally tell people at the end of the show would like people to follow along with us on Twitter as well, and we have some news as well as regarding our uh, radio show on the Sports Animal in Oklahoma City, 98.1, the Sports Animal. We will be continuing our golf show. We we didn't get canceled after the first year, guys. We're back on Super Bowl Sunday, which is also Waste Management Sunday, which is February 12th. We will be on the Animal at 10 a.m., so definitely tune into that but t-dub and woody we did have golf this weekend we had some interesting golf this weekend we had an exhibition this weekend did you guys number one before we get into the actual golf of it enjoy the match t-dub oh i I loved every minute of it i thought it was excellent the banter not just between the players but between uh oh charles barkley giving jt and everyone a little bit of hell so that was really interesting to see and i love the under the lights aspect of it i thought it was uh, really intriguing to see. You could tell some of the guys definitely struggled with depth perception and with even being able to make contact with the ball with the shadow of the ball being there from the light. So, yeah, it was definitely a unique experience, Woody. And uh, I think with how much of a success it was, I think this is going to be something that we see uh, more often than just maybe once or twice a year. Well, I think it was kind of a test. Don't you guys think a little bit about what Tiger and Rory are going to do later where they're going to have that stadium stuff going on where there will be more lights involved in it. So, I think it was kind of cool to watch. I know that I didn't get to see as much of it as I wanted to. I was traveling, believe it or not, and I came back. But I was sitting in the Houston airport, and all of you OU fans out there will appreciate this because on the TVs in the Papacitas, I was having my Mexican food before I got on my flight. Um, They had two different channels or uh, TVs, and both of them had Caleb Williams winning – the Heisman and Lincoln Riley and his wife. And I was about to throw up. So I said, hey, change one of those TVs. Embarrassed my wife big time because I called the manager over and said, hey, get the match on one of those TVs. And she she was very kind and went and changed the channel. And, of course, my wife goes, well, that was embarrassing. And I went, well, I'm sorry, babe. I, I wanted to watch the match. So what I did see, I really did enjoy. I was. I wasn't shocked. Tiger wasn't sharp at all. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's playing with that plantar fasciitis still in his foot. You can tell that. And um, he and Rory just, uh, they just got blistered. But but JT and Steve played pretty good golf. I think uh, I heard T.W. You said they were 700 through the first 10 holes. So uh, that's pretty good golf. Like what he just said, Justin Thomas and Jordan Speed do come away with the three and two victory over Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. And like JT said after the match, he said, I was the ham and he was the egg white. <laughs> so it was a lot of JT, a little bit of speed, right, T Dub? Yes, very much so. Yeah, they so got off to a decent start. Everyone birdied the first hole except for Rory. Uh, it was only like a 310 yard hole. But JT makes about a 25 footer for birdie on the second hole, gets out to a bit. Gets out to lead their speed, I believe, birdies the third hole. So there was a little bit of the egg white coming in. But uh, I think it was the fourth hole where they did the uh, the one club challenge. And JT picks a five wood and gets an unbelievable break. He, it hits his second shot. It should go in the pond 80 yards over the green. And it hits this random golf cart that's standing there. And then he's able to uh, he just hit a little five wood putt up there. And uh, he ends up winning the hole with the par because no one else can make a par with their only five irons or four irons, whatever club. They chose so picking out the three to three up essentially through uh, through four holes, and at that point, guys, it, it was a done still deal. They, I think, Rory made a birdie. I'm um, coming down, so they got within two, but then there there was really no chance to come back to there. Tiger had a putt on the ninth hole to to get 
to get within one, I believe, and uh, or maybe to to get uh, to get back to two down. That's what it was. So they wouldn't be dorming, and, and he ended up missing that putt. Whenever we all thought Tiger w- would do it, so but no, it was really a cool experience. Like Woody said, Tiger was not sharp. Said he hadn't played in two and a half weeks, and Tiger's the type to where he needs to be practicing on a regular basis to have his game in gear. But but JT was definitely the star of the show, and you could tell that he definitely wanted to go out there and beat his uh, older brother s type uh, figure in Tiger Woods. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as Rory McIlroy goes, he wasn't on the top of his game. Kind of treated it like a hit and giggle, in my opinion, a little bit. He was missing some drives way left. Uh, Wasn't necessarily as sharp as we've seen him, but that's kind of to be expected under the lights and a little exhibition uh, like this was. And Tiger wasn't on the top of his game whatsoever, guys. At one point, one of the announcers even told Tiger, hey, if you didn't know already, you're getting a shot on this hole. Uh, And Tiger kind of said I'm not talking to you anymore and uh, that was part of the fun of it that's why people watch the matches the banter I thought the banter was pretty good but to me Woody the golf was just pretty boring I think the lights made it a little entertaining but the golf was boring to me I don't know how that golf can't be boring yeah you probably got four of the best players in the world maybe not Tiger at this point but you got four pretty good players there and You know, you didn't see anything that looked like real golf to me. Spot on with it, Sam. It was hit and giggle. And uh, they were on a mission, like I said, in my opinion, to kind of get people geared towards the fact that, hey, this might be where you see Tiger Woods play golf. So uh, I hope not, but we'll see what 2023 brings. T-Dub, let's continue talking about Tiger Woods a little bit. Man, he was laboring. At one point, he even told JT, why'd you make me walk all the way over here? And it was like 30 feet, T-Dub. I mean, he he was <laughs> limping a little bit more than he even was at Southern Hills, to me, noticeably. Yeah, you can that, – that's what's sad about it, guys, is that he looks like he's getting worse instead of getting better. And maybe the, the plantar fasciitis, maybe it'll start to heal itself a little bit. But you could tell, really, his game wasn't there. And – I thought it was funny that they, they they put up on the driving range and a few times that he had you know, like 182 ball speed. And I'm sorry, guys, there's not a chance in hell he had 182 ball speed. Um, it, he may have had mid 170s, which is still very very high. But there's no way that with everything he's going on, you could tell by the swings and and how where his ball was in comparison to the other players that he wasn't getting up, up ball speeds at that high. And and maybe he probably never will. In all honesty, but if he can get back to just a little bit of health, and he and he's even said it himself, just find lightning in a bottle. And that's how he's going to have to try to, to compete in tournaments now. But uh, we will get to see him uh, this upcoming week at the uh, PNC with Charlie. I expect them to have um, a pretty good time. But uh, he's going to have to play a little bit better in that event than he did in this event uh, if they want to bring home that team title. With. I think what Tiger's going to have to try to do, guys, and this is just me watching him swing the golf club, his right leg is toast. And that, that right foot with plantar fasciitis even makes it more difficult. He's going to need to look at something in his golf swing. I don't think he'll go stack and tilt. Please don't get me wrong. But he's going to have to find something in his golf swing where he doesn't depend on that right leg near as much as he did early in his career. And I'm I'm not sure what that is. He's a lot better at figuring his golf swing out than I am. But I, I know when I tore up my uh, patella on my right leg, that was that knee injury was really worse than I thought, and I kind of had to learn to adjust a little bit where I played a little bit more weight onto my left side, which means I was going to lose some club head speed. But I don't know with Tiger. I, I think he's a lot smarter, like I said, than I am. He'll figure it out. Yeah, and T-Dub, one thing is that the speed does kind of look like it's there for Tiger, like good enough to compete at a high level. But when I watched Tiger last year and even in the match, his distance control was always what made him so great with the irons, and it just doesn't look the same anymore. Is there a couple reasons that you might see? The main reason is just that the crispness of the contact isn't the same. I mean, if you want to hit the ball the exact same distance, which Tiger has preached literally his entire career that the number one most important thing is to have uh, your ball pin high because at that point, you, you can only hit the ball so far offline, and if it's the correct distance, you're never going to be too far from the hole. So, yeah, I think it's just at this point he can't hit the ball as solid as he used to because he's not able to practice as much. And you know, he, he's he's always used to. It. And there, there was some news that that came out this last week that during these next couple of weeks he's going to be playing 
a, a less spinny ball um, because he doesn't have to hit as many shots during exhibition as he does in tournament play. So that goes to show there that when he plays in tournaments, he wants to hit every single kind of little fade. He wants to hit the nine shots and, you know, every single high, mid, low, uh, right, left to right and straight. So if he's not able to do that, and it's so hard to control your distance just on a regular shot, let alone when you're trying to hit all of that. So uh, he, he's going to have to, first of all, get more healthy to, to be able to get back to where he wants to. And he's going to have to get uh, a little bit more sharp with his practice and with his overall play. But, uh, and as we saw, you know, uh, he in, on, I alluded to it earlier on that part three, he missed like a, a 15-footer for for, uh, for Rory and them to get in the match. And we're used to Tiger making those. So that's another aspect of, of Tiger's game that has sadly uh, been missing, even really since he uh, came back for the 2019 Masters. Woody, another guy that was in the match, Jordan Spieth, gave us a little bit of insight during the round. He said he's really been working on trying to get, quote, the right arm lower and tighter and more connected like he used to be. So for amateurs out there, what is he talking about? But we always have said, guys, that, that the slowest part of the golf swing, and this is what's always shocked people, is the transition once you reach the top on your start down. That is the actual slowest part of the golf swing, which means you've got to time it very well. When it's done correctly, the right arm will somewhat fold into the body, and the butt of the club will actually go more towards the golf ball then straight down at the ground. So he's got to work on his timing. I, I, I still, when I watch him swing, he looks like a golfer who's playing golf swing. He still doesn't look like a golfer who is playing golf. And that was what made Speed so good early on. He played golf. Now, was he perfect? No, but, but he could find a way to get the ball in the hole better than anybody. Thus, he won all those majors and did all that good play. So I'm all in on what he's talking about with the right arm, but he looks like he's having to really think about that. And at that level of golfer, you really shouldn't have to worry about that transition. That should be going just as naturally as it possibly can. So Steve's going to have to really show me something, guys, in the 2023 to get me back on the speed page, I just don't see him playing great golf when he's playing golf swing. No, I totally agree with you there, Woody. One thing I do want to bring up before we change subjects uh, from the match is Charles Barkley, T-Dub. I mean, Charles Barkley makes the match every time because normally the golf's not too amazing or immaculate like we see in major championships. It has to have something extra. Now, JT does bring a little bit of, you know, style and flair to it. However, I think the star of the show every single time we have one of these matches is Charles Barkley. I can't think of another announcer that could do a different sport as well as Charles Barkley does golf. I, I think if there was an award for that, maybe it'll come up as a holy uh, next week when we do our uh, award show. But yes, Charles Barkley is an absolute staple in the match. It should never, should never not be on a broadcast because especially him and JT, them going back and forth because, uh, Charles Barkley went to uh, Auburn, and JT went to uh, Alabama University, as far as Charles kept saying, which really got under JT's skin. So that that was really, really, really fun to listen to. And then even before the match, probably the best line I heard was um, they asked uh, JT about his uh, his marriage. He just got married and his honeymoon and all that stuff. And uh, JT said uh, that he wished that he could go back to that night because he had so much fun. And Charles hit him with the uh, "You're still young. You might be able to have another one before you're done," or something along those lines. And it was. It was just totally uncalled for, which which made it so great and so brilliant. And and that's something I never want to miss in this match. And in all honesty, kind of like you were saying, Sam, if if Charles isn't there sometimes, especially when JT and Speed get three up through four, you need some of that stuff to uh, to get the uh, to get the <laughs> listeners engaged or get the viewers engaged, or or else or else people are just going to not watch even and, and because unless Tiger Woods is there, people would have turned off for that match with, with unless Charles was there. So and and a lot of non golfers are going to listen to just tune in just for Charles too because of of how funny he is. So yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Sam. If there was a a, a commentator who, who does another sport. 
that went to another Charles would definitely have to be number one in that category. Yeah, and T-Dub, Charles even brought that up during the show. Chuck said, you know, we have a billion more commercials to go, and you guys are about to get closed out. And then JT uh, came back at Charles Woody and was like, what is it going to be the match 10 Chuck versus a cheeseburger? Right. And so it's just great banter between the two, but I feel like people probably watched the match more for the banter and less for the golf. Woody. Oh, no doubt about it. You know what you got to love about Barkley. Barkley is the only guy that announces that he can say things that nobody else can. He gets away with bloody murder. That, that little, little tidbit he dropped on JT that you might get another shot. That was classic. And in most cases, that would have offended people. It might have offended JT's new wife. But other than that, everybody else got a, got a pretty good kick out. So uh, Barkley, Barkley's just one of a kind. I would love to see him do a little bit more golf, to be honest with you, because he is entertaining. No, I totally agree. And we heard rumors of him possibly going to live. I would love to hear Charles Barkley commentate on actual golf tournaments i think it would make it really entertaining obviously he wouldn't be able to talk directly to the players like he does at the match which makes it uh that much more entertaining but i do feel like there's a place for a charles barkley in a golf broadcast and i mean t-dub you can go ahead and bring up uh who they're filling in for uh, roger maltby on nbc and gary coke uh i mean <laughs> i would enjoy listening to charles barkley a whole lot more than the people they brought in well, it's sort of along the lines that, uh, you know, Harry Higgs brought up. It's just you need to get – you have to change the way that, that the golf broadcast has been over the last 50 years. And and Charles definitely does that. There's nothing about uh, Charles Barkley that is traditional golf commentator. So I, I absolutely uh, agree with everything that you guys um, are saying. Alluding to what you said earlier, Sam, about the uh, filling in for on NBC, who that crew is going to be. So NBC, they, they said they're going to try to go younger, obviously, and try to do all that stuff, which a lot of a lot of companies are doing. You can't shame them for that. But the three guys they're bringing in, and I want y'all's opinion on, on this, they're bringing in Smiley Kaufman, Brad Paxton, and Kurt Byram. And I have differing opinions on each on all three of those people. Um, Smiley Kaufman, I feel like, has gotten a lot better since when he started, which I feel like a lot of people do. Right, Whenever you're first announcing or doing anything, where you have to speak with your voice. It's just like me when we first started this podcast. I was absolutely horrible at doing this. And now I'd like to think that I'm a lot better than I was. And, and Smiley's getting in that trend, and he knows the players. He's really close with JT and Spieth. You saw that in an interview they had before the match. So I think he'll be a fairly solid addition. Brad Faxon, he's, he's a little bit off and on there. I mean, he's, he's kind of like – his announcing is like his golf game, right, where he's horrible at almost all three other aspects of the game, but he's so good at putting. So, like, he'll say, like, one one or two tidbits of broadcasters. You're like, oh, man, that was actually really insightful. I appreciate that. Uh, but but the rest of his broadcast is really not very good. And, and then Kurt Byram, I, I have never liked him on the golf channel. I think he's uh, – I know a lot of people like him. I just don't enjoy um, listening to him. So, Woody, what do you think of those uh, three guys going to NBC to replace uh, Malfi and Gary Coates? They're all three different. That That is for darn sure. Uh, Kurt has always been just Mr. Steady Eddie. He is professional – He's not going to throw out any great tidbits or anything that people are really going to listen to. He's going to give you, you know, point A to point B, which you need that in a golf tell guest. I get that. Uh, Faxon, Faxon's always going to have great stories, for one thing. He's also going to be a guy that will analyze short game really good on TV, I hope. I hope he does because I don't want him to get out there and then be the guy that, wants to be everybody's friend uh that was one thing i loved about johnny miller you, you, whether you like johnny miller or didn't like johnny miller he would tell you what was going on and a lot of the times those guys don't want to hear that i don't know a lot about this smiley kaufman other than the fact he used to be on the internet a lot where he'd show pictures of where he'd be with his wife and a lot of other things and i knew he was buddies with those other guys so a lot of times a guy gets a great opportunity to transition into the broadcast booth. And if I'm Smiley Kaufman, I'm having a Merry Christmas because he kind of went from maybe going to be a pretty good player to losing his playing privileges and couldn't make it. And NBC comes along and, and offers him this job. So, uh, you know, he got a heck of a deal out of that. I can only tell you, I'll be interested to watch 
how it all comes down because I used to love to listen to Malby and Gary Coke. So, but I'm old, so I'm I'm looking forward to the 2023 and to hear how these guys all mix together. Well, Woody, I'm young and I enjoyed listening to Maltby and Gary Coke. Now, as far as Smiley Kaufman coming in the booth, I think that he can be pretty entertaining and he does know what he's talking about. I feel like of these three, he was probably the best hire for NBC. And then obviously, like you guys said, Kirk Byram is like, I don't know. He's like reading out of a textbook, Uh, you know, straight lace, straightforward. What you see is what you get. And then the thing about Brad Faxon, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of transitions from just doing live from things to actually commentating on live golf. Um, it, It seems like a lot of the stuff he does on live from, he puts a lot of thought into beforehand. So can he go off the cuff just as well as he can, you know, for those live from segments? And he's also going to give a little insight. We know that Rory McElroy has worked with Brad Faxon on his putting, so maybe he'll have some more inside details for us. So I would rank them probably Smiley, Brad Faxon, Kurt Byram. Uh, what do you think, Tita? I think that's absolutely the way that you have to root it. And and I think it's right. Like, Smiley, he's not he's not the best right now, but I think his potential and how he could be in a couple of years, he could be very similar to a Colt Nose type figure, which I enjoy listening to. Uh, to Colt when he's uh, he's on the course reporting, so uh, I'm definitely ranking in that category. But I just don't know. It's 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 sort of like whenever in, in football, when you fire a coach, the classic analogy. Okay, well, who are you going to get uh, once you fired him? And it's like I I just don't think that Roger Malpe and uh, Gary Coke. I, I just don't see the crew that they got. I just don't see them as being extremely superior, even superior at all, really, to what they got rid of. So. Unless it had to be contractual and money, a money uh, agreement, I don't think that it was a extremely necessary change. Guys, speaking of the PGA Tour, we did have the QBE shootout over the past weekend, and Tom Hoagie and Sahithi Gala win by one shot at 34 under over Charlie Hoffman and Ryan Palmer. Guys, I didn't get to catch any of this. I had other things going on this weekend, and I did watch the match, but um, T-Dub, what did you think of the QBE shootout? And obviously, we did have some LPGA Tour players in it, but next year it'll be all mixed. uh, It'll be an all-mixed team event between LPGA and PGA. Yeah, it's always an interesting event on the schedule because as far as I'm aware, it's the only time you see the players play a scramble format. And that's, I mean, as someone, a player status of my end, that's all, that's the majority of tournaments I play in now. And so it's <laughs> fairly cool to see. <laughs> it's cool to see how they enter and how low they can go when they do it. I saw, uh, I, that was, uh, I saw Charlie Hoffman um, hit a putt from like 50 feet and he had his coin still marching his ball. And I said, what the hell is he doing? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, he, he, uh, they're playing scramble. I was just waiting for one of them to throw down another ball saying they're about to use their mulligan. That was the only thing that was really missing from, from the uh, performance. But what's also interesting, guys, is that I didn't realize this until I looked up uh, the final leaderboard. Uh, Tom Hoagie, Seagal, as you mentioned, Sam, they got $475,000 each uh, for winning. I mean, that's not bad for a little three-round um, little bullshit event, Woody. No doubt. I mean, the money's. The money is crazy. I think what you guys will see out of that, though, what I saw is just how good tour players really are. That first round, Charlie Hoffman and Ryan Palmer, who are not household names, but they've been solid tour players for a lot of years. They shoot 16 under par, two guys scrambling. They shot 56. Now, that's golf in your ball. Now, I still call BS out there when you're playing your scrambles out there at T-Dub and some guys come in and they claim to have shot, you know, 49, 48, uh, 51, 52. 46. Uh, well, yeah, 46. <laughs> That's what came out this last week. That's the newest yeah. one, 46, Woody. Yeah, that one, that, you got to call a little bit of bull on that. I, I just don't believe it is what I'm going to tell you guys because even if you had four tour players shooting 46, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. And, and and if you take just average golfers shooting 46, and keep in mind, these guys are playing on greens that are really perfect. And most of our scrambles we play these days, guys, are not on perfect surfaces. So for our listeners out there that play in a scramble and you cheat, 
shame on you. Just shame on you. There's no reason <laughs> for that. That just that you know that that gets me all fired up again. So I I don't like to get into that, but um, I think that's what's the most impressive. You watch a golf tournament like this. They shoot thirty four under, thirty four under two guys for three rounds, gentlemen. That's that's flat ass golf in your ball. You know what I mean? Absolutely, Woody, it is. And uh, that's what I was going to bring up next, T-Dub, is two-man scrambles are not as easy as they sound. You hear scramble um, and think that it's going to be, you know, low score after low score like you guys are talking about. But two-man scramble doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make birdie on every single hole. Oh, you can you can strike two drives down the – two-man scramble. You get two perfect drives down the middle, hit two perfect approach shots, one be – seven feet and the other be 12 feet so you pick the seven footer then you just both don't make the putt all of a sudden you made par i mean that's fairly uh, it shouldn't happen you shouldn't both miss a seven footer but it happens uh, a decent amount of time so yeah it's it, it, and i don't understand why in scrambles uh, for all the cheaters that happen out there why can we not just even if it's a four-man scramble just play eight I, I i get that it'll take maybe 30 extra minutes or whatever because four-man scrambles do not take a, a fast amount of time it's not like going to eight makes them that much slower and you can and it's so funny whenever you see uh the four-man scrambles where you have to play uh when you don't have to play with another team people turn in 19 20 21 under par something like that and all the times you have to play with another group the, the max score that wins is usually 13 or 14 under and a lot of times that's if you have uh, some mulligans to deal with so uh yeah a lot of controversy that could go on with the scramble format but to allude to woody's point about them being 34 under that was just the first round format guys i mean they played modified alternate shots um, the second round, which modified, that's a little different than just regular alternate shot because you both hit the drive and you pick the best one. So that makes that format a lot easier, but it's still not uh, definitely a little bit harder um, than the scramble. And then even the final round, they do best ball. So, yeah, 34 under from those guys is absolutely stellar. But uh, the 475K for each of them going in their pockets is, uh, I guess, well worth it because all the scrambles I play for damn sure aren't worth that much, boys. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, T-Dub. 475000 is a lot more than I made in any golf tournament, let alone a scramble. So uh, I missed my window, boys. I told you that. I missed my doggone window. Well, Woody, you might not have missed your window. I was going to get to this after the break, but if you do want to go pull out the old persimmon woods, uh, Woody, you have the chance to do that here. Uh Todd Dempsey shot three under last week at Champions Q School with Persimmon Woods that he built himself because he doesn't believe in the new driver rules. Uh, man, th- this is one of the most unbelievable stories that I've ever heard, Woody. And I don't know if you know Todd Dempsey or, or anything about him, um, but apparently he just really hates you know new technology and wanted to go out there with Persimmon Woods. Woody, you should pull out the old Persimmons and go have a match against Todd Dempsey. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm i not going to shoot three under, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, um, I was one of those guys that couldn't believe Metal Woods were going to take over like they did. But now that I've used one and now that I've had one for many, many, many years, what little golf I play, the last thing I need is a forged iron or a persimmon-headed wood. I could look like a hundred shooter with that. Nope, I'm out. I'm staying with technology. I did not. I was not aware of this story, Sam. Doing a little bit of um, research in here just to look at. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. I would love to know or just sit, just know exactly what his big beef is um, with the new driver. Well, I mean, I, I get it. You want to be an absolute traditionalist in golf, but if it's that way, I need to see some pictures because I don't see him in the old suit and tie that Bobby Jones used to wear. So uh, if you're going to be a traditionalist, you might as well go all the way back. But absolutely crazy because. I don't know if I could have shot three under um, with with the best clubs in the world. So, I mean, if he wants to use persimmon woods and do all that, he might need to reevaluate and give up on his pride because if he can shoot that well with those clubs, he might have a future on the Champions Tour if uh, he can just uh, suck up a little bit of pride and uh, move on to new technology. Yeah, and Woody, Richard Green goes on to win that PGA Tour Champions qualifying tournament final stage at 18 under, four shots over West Short Jr., um, another interesting name was in that field, Woody. Brandel Chambly finishes the qualifying school at three over par, but he did card a four under par in the third round. What are your thoughts on Brandel trying to qualify for the Champions Tour? First off, I'd have no idea why he's even bothering because 
what if he makes it? What if he's one of those top five? Well, with his all the work he does with the golf channel, you know, he's not going to be able to play a full schedule, which is shame on him. If, if he makes it, then he's cheating some other guy that might make it and get to play a full schedule. I don't know. I don't, you know, that's another Brandel Chambly at his best. I don't know what he's thinking there, but uh, I'm kind of, I'm glad he didn't make it because I, I, that would have been a, a travesty for him to take a spot from somebody. That's, I don't like that. I, that's all I'm saying. I just, if you're not going to play a full schedule, don't play in the golf tournament. I, I couldn't agree with that more, Woody. I, yeah, I don't know what Brandon's doing. And he's uh, notorious for uh, not really caring what other people think and just doing whatever he feels best is for Brandon. But but interesting in the third round, guys, he, he did have a pretty interesting scorecard. He got off to a, a very good start. He started on the 10th hole, birdied four straight holes, and then birdied the 15th. So he's 500 through six, made a, made a bogey on uh, the par three sixteenth. 16th. Uh, so he's back to four under. Then from there, guys, on the last eight holes, he played them even par, but he didn't make one par in that stretch. He had four bogeys and, and four birdies. So a uh, little bit of inconsistency, inconsistency there from Brandle, much like his announcing, because if he can just stick to a little bit of golf technical stuff, he'll say a few things here or there that's actually pretty good. But when he talks about anything else, it's uh, an absolute travesty. So uh, he, he golfs just like he announces, which isn't a real shock to me, Sam. I need Brandel to take it from me. Once we cross the line from golfer to announcer or podcaster or radio host or whatever you want to be, stop playing golf. This stuff is way less stressful than playing golf, right? Woody, why, why, are, you, why are you stressing out trying to make a, a qualifying school of all things? No way in the world I'm ever doing that. <laughs> well, he... He shouldn't. That's the point. I mean, he's probably not stressed. He doesn't care. He does said it best. He's not stressed. I can tell you that much. If he is stressed, then he must know he's getting ready to get a pink slip from the golf channel. And he <laughs> thinks, I've got to make this for to get out there to make money. But he's not. You know, the golf channel loves him. So, I don't, you know, Sam, this we could argue the fact that Tom Brady probably shouldn't have played another year of football. And, and you know, but if if they want to get into announcing, then get into announcing. If you want to keep playing, then keep playing. But don't try to do both because you're going to fail miserably is what's going to happen. Woody, I am curious since you were – I think you, you knew Brandel a little bit, didn't you, back in the day, Woody? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. He so, was, uh, so what was his game like back in in Brandel's prime? You know, Champlain was a good player. He was not a bad golfer. He he wasn't a very big guy, so he he never hit the ball very far. Uh, but he he was consistent. He he was a good ball striker. He was he was ninety times out of a hundred in the fairway. He was they drove the ball really well. He had just an all around pretty decent little golf game but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna scare anybody we've talked about this on countless times guys when i played what little i played on the tour it didn't take me long to figure out that there was there was a bunch more guys out there a lot better than me so i would i would put brandle in that category um i do think he won one time on the pga tour which is pretty doggone impressive but I would say he's done a lot better as an announcer as far as longevity and uh, uh, the amount of money he's put in his pocket than he did as a golfer. And Woody, my other question here, and I'm of the camp that I don't even think you have to have played a sport at that level to know uh, the game, like a like a Skip Bayless, or we've seen many other announcers. We just talked about Charles Barkley being great at announcing golf. I mean, he was an NBA player. I don't feel like you have to have played the game at that level, but there are some people out there that are going to say, you know, Brandel's pretty harsh on some players, even though he wasn't on their level. Is that kind of the feeling you probably get from the PGA Tour players' reaction to some of the things that Brandel says, or do they kind of respect his opinion on live from? He does said it best a minute ago. There's sometimes when Brandel simply speaks, he's pretty doggone good, guys. He, he does his homework. He's very analytical. He's really good at that kind of stuff. The networks have always made a point, if you look at it, of putting a guy that has played the PGA Tour in in their broadcast booth, whether it was Faldo or uh, 
you know, of course, Johnny Miller for years. They like a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Azinger. They like a guy that has been there and done it. And, uh, I think they have a lot more insight than somebody that hadn't played it, but it doesn't make them good at it necessarily. There's been a lot of guys that have tried to commentate. There were pretty good golfers that failed miserably at it. So, um, you know, it's just kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, as, as you watch golf and you listen to golf as we watched it evolve, um, I think there's room for a lot more guys out there that maybe aren't former tour players that had some real insight and that make the broadcast a lot more fun. Well, guys, let's go ahead and take a break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go visit our friends at GolfOklahoma.org and also hit that subscribe button below this podcast. It's the purple button on Apple and the green button on Spotify. We'll be back on the 73rd Hole right after this short break. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. We are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Like I said before that break, go get all of your local golf news from Ken McLeod and Chris Swafford at GolfOklahoma.org. They have everything you need to know locally about the game of golf in our great state of Oklahoma, guys. You know what is not in a great state right now is the official world golf ranking, guys. Dustin Johnson, as of this morning, has just dropped out of the official world golf ranking top 40 t-dub what are your thoughts i mean it's it's an absolute travesty in all honesty i mean you think about just who who are the best how many ever 10 players in the world and you everyone's got to throw dustin johnson in that group i really don't see uh any way that he's not he's around the the seventh or eighth analytically depending on um how you look at it so yeah i mean i don't know what he it's we it's, we're going to be a broken record on this really until it gets changed that uh we're really going to have to have some change in this world ranking system or else uh, it's going to be a failing criteria when it comes to getting in the biggest tournaments in the world. Very much so, and it's, it's sure looking like it ain't going to change anytime soon simply because who controls the, those world rankings. If you keep getting guys like Dustin Johnson, and, and, and you know what? Cam Smith's going to be right behind him. It, it's, not going to, it's not going to take that long for him to start moving out of that top 50 and um, – what were we looking at? The 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 oost, oost, um, I went brain dead with uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, he's getting ready to fall out of the top fifty, and and I don't know. I the world rankings is is broken, and they need to fix it. And it's just going to have to be sit down time to do that. And whether they put Liv in or don't put Liv in is going to be really what's going to be interesting. And if they don't, they're missing the boat because. Uh, a guy like Dustin Johnson, are you kidding me? 40th, dropped out of the top 40 in the world. Guys, I actually no. looked at it. He's actually number 41, and our guy Taylor Gooch is actually number 40 right now. <laughs> okay. All right, well, that's even broken, too. I'm happy Taylor's still hanging in there, but that's really broken. I'd hate to think of the, the, the 39 other guys that are in front of, of DJ. Because you know and I know there most of them are not better than he is. 
No, it's absolutely ridiculous, guys. And and T-Dub, <laughs> I know that there's a lot of inner workings for this to happen, but what is the actual overhaul that needs to happen to the OWGR? Because it, it seems so simple, but at the same time, it's very complicated. Yeah, that, that's a very good point, Sam. I mean, it, it require, it's going to require some type of formula algorithm. You're going to need these things. You're going to have to figure out exactly how long do wins stand and what and what ratio do they go down. They, they've done a fairly decent job of that over the years. But at, at right now, the biggest point is how much, how strong really is a strength of field and what how much do the top players benefit that field being there? Because right now, if you just hosted a tournament with 400 players in it, if they were all middle-of-the-pack players, you're going to get so many points for that just because you beat more golfers. So there needs to be a little bit of change, and there definitely will be change going forward because now John Rom, even Tiger Woods has come out and said that the, the system needs to change. So, But because of, just like you said, Sam, which is a very good point, that's why this, this isn't going to change overnight because if they just implement something else and it ends up being even worse than the system is now, then the, then the, complete, then the complete system is going to really unravel before our eyes. And I think if they mess it up one more time, guys, there may not be an OWGR before too long. No, and if it were me, T-Dub, it's very, very simple. We would just have to get everybody to agree on it that it has to be based more on the top players that are in that golf tournament. That's something both sides can agree on. John Rahm was pissed off about it a couple weeks ago and at the DP World Tour event, and, and the Live guys are obviously upset about it because they hear, oh, you only have 48 guys in your tournament and 10 of them are terrible, you know, so... that. It, it has to be based on kind of like a handicap system in normal golf, right? It has to be based on the potential of what these guys can do, right, at, at some point. And the other thing is, are we going to reciprocate these guys like Dustin Johnson and Taylor Gooch for the tournaments that they missed out on uh, during this stretch of, of, of the you know last three-fourths of, of 2022, Woody? Well, to be fair, you'd almost have to, wouldn't you? It, it, it's all about these four majors, gentlemen. And when these guys that are really world-class players are not finding a way to get into those events, then it's broken. It's really broken then. And and we're going to see that sooner than you think. If we don't fix this world ranking, we're going to see that in 23, for sure in 24. And by 25, guys, this will be a joke. We're going to see it in 2023 as far as guys like a, a Taylor Gooch trying to get into the last three majors. However, there's certain guys like a Dustin Johnson who you will see in the majors just because of his prior major championship. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right on everything that you guys have said. The reason that it, it's not that simple, though, is because, like, like for example, take the DP World Tour Championship when it played the same week as the RSM. RSM got, got, what, 40% more points than, than the DP World Tour? And we can all say that that's an absolute travesty. So we could look at it and say, okay, you should get more points for the DP World Tour probably than you should the RSM. But first of all, you need to figure out how much more points do you need to get? Is it 20% more? Is it 30% more? Is it, is it 100% more? And then you have to have some sort of criteria to make sure that that's the result that comes out. Because if you're just saying blindly off of an eye test what you think that the that the strength of field should be, then then there's no relevance really to, to your system. It might as well be an AP poll at, at that point. So the, 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 the concept of how it should be structured is very simple, but the result and how you get there is overly complex. I think this is a perfect time to transition to another thing that we are going to talk about. You know, rumored 2023 live defectors, as Nuclear Golf calls them, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, who neither have won a major, have both committed to the American Express on the PGA Tour in January. Now, guys, this doesn't necessarily mean that they are not going to live we need to remember that the pga tour members can play any pga tour events before the live golf season starts in february so in theory they could play that event and a couple more and still go to live and and this is even all the more reason for two guys that haven't won major championships to gain as many official world golf ranking points as possible if they were going to make the change to live right woody they have to be thinking that because there's no way they can go into that live event or change to the live, excuse me, without kind of realizing 
you might not get to play in a major if you're not careful. So, boy, I just – I hope 2023 – I hope, let's say this, guys, by December of 2023, all these discussions we've been having, we don't have to have them anymore. And the best players in the world have an opportunity to qualify for the majors. And we get to have those four tournaments a year where we really get excited and we know that the field is the best it can possibly be. That's a must. That's the most important at the end of the day is making sure that the majors uh, stick where they need to be. But, yeah, you, you look at this, this lift schedule. Was it, it, nothing's a, The official lift schedule has not come out yet, but, but we expect the first event will be down in Mayakoba somewhere around uh, middle to end of, of February. So for, for, the, for the Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley tracker, which we, we've all been looking out for for really how many ever months now on if they're going to go. That's really not going to go away until that first event to see if they're there or not. And, and then even after that, I feel like those guys are in such a higher echelon that Liv's going to keep on recruiting them really till the end of time, and especially once they uh, win a major and then the price tag on them could be exceptionally through the roof. So, yeah, it, this isn't – I don't think this is something that's really going to go away, especially since, uh, you know, neither one of them have, have come out and really said that they're 100% behind the PJ chair. Xander's come out and said that he's going to play. He's come out with his schedule and knows he's going to play PJ chair for now, but that's not really saying that you're committed to stay on the tour. So really, I think this could go on really for multiple months if uh, if they don't leave. No, you're absolutely right. You know who Liv did not recruit, T-Dub. That would be one Billy Horschel. So Hank Haney said on his podcast that uh, a certain player asked for $55 million earlier this year and Liv rejected it uh, and said, who do you think that is? Well, uh, Phil Mickelson is back on Twitter, and he didn't send out a tweet, but he liked... Two tweets uh, referring to this Hank Haney podcast and Hank Haney allegation. And uh, one of the comments said, definitely Billy Horschel. And Phil Mickelson liked it. So uh, I think where there's smoke, there's fire, guys. And I think there's a little bit of fire with this Billy Horschel rumor. And Billy Horschel, if we remember, was one of the more outspoken guys, especially to our man Taylor Gooch, about going to live. The animosity has been explained now, Sam. It truly has. I've wondered forever, why of all people, Billy freaking Horschel is so outspoken. Uh, I guess I get Rory. I get JT. I get all those examples. Billy Horschel is just so weird. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. But now it does. He, he wanted to go to the to, to live to make more money, and they said, no, you can't have it. We, you're not worth that much money. And it, I, I don't know what he it, it just uh, – all the pieces to the puzzle of the Billy Horschel – uh, equation have now been filled in my opinion I now understand the entire situation and it makes it to where now anytime he comes out and speaks out about Liv I'm just going to laugh at everything he says because I know he's a hypocrite big time hypocrite that is for sure I guess I guess if you're that kid on the playground you know and you're picking teams and they he's the last one to get picked almost and then they don't want him well it hurt his feelings so usually when you get your feelings hurt what do you do you throw rocks and uh, I, I'm like you. I wondered why he was so bent out of shape. Of all the guys that could be bent out of shape, why him? Now I know because they turned their nose up at him, and, and so he took it personally, and he went on the attack. It would, but it sure makes him look awful stupid now, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, guys, I know that the Holy Awards are next week, which is our award show we do at the end of each year here on the 73rd hole. And I know that our big award is the Patrick Reed Award for D-Bag of the Year. Can I just insert Billy Horschel's name as a nominee a week early, T-Dub? Oh, he's 100, he's 100% a nominee. I feel like that uh, – yeah, the Holy Awards are going to be something exceptional to listen to. We'll definitely have some – some great contenders, um, really, for that award. Going to be a lot from from a lot of different avenues. But as far as it comes um, to Billy Horschel, it just it it it, it like I said it, earlier, it explains so much. And I and I, I credit Phil Mickelson for really the one letting us know about it. He essentially just liked a tweet, and uh, I don't think there's any way at this point with everything that's come out that that, that it's not true. It's just it just seems so it's too good not to be true. And maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's just hoop blah but it sure makes for a good story and i'm definitely going to assume that it is uh with everything that's transpired over the last eight or nine months no doubt about it guys there's a lot of sad or, or 
maddening news in the world of golf right now, especially between Liv and the PGA Tour. But some good news is Willie Z fans, you will see Will Zalatoris back in action. Uh, pardon the pun there. Uh, <laughs> he confirms that he will return to golf at the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, guys. It'll be good to see Willie Z back, who has had uh, some back issues. Right, Tito? Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, back issues are really, they're so hard to deal with when you're a golfer because I've dealt with them throughout a lot of my career. I remember when I was even just a junior, senior in high school, I had to go to the chiropractor numerous times. I almost had to have surgery, really, the, the main reason because I was a fat ass carrying my bag and uh, I didn't walk right. So that's uh, <laughs> a, a lot of bad things can happen uh, to the back. It's a very, uh, very sensitive uh, part of the body. And hopefully Willie Z can come back um, with no struggles because, that is something. If you just make one bad swing, let's just say you don't get stretched out right in, in during during your warm up, and you just have a tweak here or there, that the, the problem could definitely onset again if it's not uh, fully recovered. So it'll definitely be something to monitor. I'm um, going on throughout the rest of his uh, career. And one thing that a lot of people don't talk about with back issues, Tiger kind of brought it up a little bit um, when he had his uh, spinal fusion. Is that you know a lot of people make it out to be like your swing's a big issue, but you also can't practice putting very much either, having to having to hunch over and bend down. So uh, that would be something for Willie Z because we know how well he can strike the ball. But uh, if he's not able to work on his putting very much, then that, that thing could really come back in a snake bite him when it's all said and done with him. I'm still trying to grasp on you being a fat ass and carrying your bag wrong. <laughs> you got me with that one. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. It's the truest statement I've ever said. Word. Well, it, I thought there's a lot of ways to hurt your back playing golf, but that's a first. I appreciate that, DW. You, you have just enlightened me again. So thank you for that. But, uh, You're welcome. Yeah, with well, my honor. Yeah. With, uh, with Willie, uh, you know, hey, how about this idea? Maybe he'll be a better putter if he doesn't practice. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I guess it's fair, we'll see. Well, it can absolutely let's, happen. Let's watch, uh, let's watch Kapalua in, in January and figure it out. This, this could be a highlight reel for him. Maybe he'll start a new trend. Yeah, you don't need to practice your putting, and you can be a lot better. I was just going to say, Dave Stockton uh, says to only practice putting about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, a day. I mean, other people are notorious for wanting to putt practice three or four hours, but one of the uh, best putting instructors ever says to not practice that much because it's, it, it takes away a lot of your feel um, whenever you get that uh, technical. So I just want to throw that tidbit in there. Yeah, and, and it does seem like a lot of the guys on the PGA Tour that have back issues um, are you know, notorious for practicing their putting a lot or aren't the greatest putters in the world. Do you, Woody, do you think it's the back issues that make them a bad putter or do you think it's the opposite? Do you think it's the uh, bad putting and, and they have to practice it so much that it makes their back bad? The best putter, I've always said to you guys, the best putter I ever saw was Ben Crenshaw. And he said something to me one time on the putting green because I he didn't practice a lot. He he hit a lot of lag putts, and he put a little bit of short putts, and then he was gone. I asked him about it one time, and he said, well, Woody, does a carpenter hit 100 nails before he goes to work? Does he practice hitting nails before he goes to work? <laughs> and I looked at him, I went, uh, yeah, good point. And, and he walked off, and I thought, uh, yeah, that was a hell of a statement. I felt like a dummy after I asked him. And so, um, you know, Crenshaw, like a great putter. A lot of the best putters I saw, though, guys, they never had any uh, uh, boards out on the green or sticks or <laughs> tees or anything. Uh, of course, Tiger Woods, one of the best putters, always used the, the two tee drills. But most of the great putters I ever was around didn't practice it a lot, and they didn't look like they had a whole lot of drills going on. They were all really good field putters. Yeah, I do think that question that I asked you, Woody, can go both ways. Like, we see guys like a, a Tiger Woods, who was a great putter and now not so great a putter, mainly because I think that, especially before the car car wreck and all of that and all of these current injuries, I think that his main back issues at the end of his prime there were mainly because he spent so much time practicing putting. And, and he's kind of an anomaly because when he wasn't able to practice his putting so much was when he didn't feel comfortable on the greens. And so I think it can definitely uh, go both ways there. Right, Tito? Oh, it's definitely a teach their own type of situation. Like, like there, there's some people who cannot play for, for three months and, and go out and play the best golf of their entire life. And then there's people who, who, who practice seven days a week and they have to miss one day 
um, for whatever reason, they go out the next day and they can hit the broad side of the barn. So, I mean, a lot of it can be mental at that point as well. And, and also with the health concerns, too, it's kind, Tiger kind of brought this up with his uh, golf fitness revolution. I mean, just the exercise and all that stuff is going to take a toll on a lot of these players. We've talked about that numerous times as well. If you don't get, get stretched out right, I mentioned that earlier with, with Willie Z, you're going to have some consequences. So it's a uh, it's kind of a catch-22 with uh, a lot of this fitness, guys, where uh, you, you work out, when, in theory, to play longer and to uh, to have a, a better golf swing overall. But uh, if you work too hard and go too past the line or do one thing that's a little bit um, off when it comes to your workout, you can have very se- severe consequences when it's all said and done. We've seen that um, for a few people now. But uh, it, it's just the nature of the game now, guys. That's how you got to hit uh, bombs like Sam because uh, you got to go in the gym to be, <laughs> be able to carry 350 like you, big boy. Well, I haven't been in the gym since college, T-Dub, but to kind of wrap up uh, that thought on Tiger Woods, I also think that that's probably why we'll never see Tiger contend in another major because he's not able to practice the way that he used to, and he needs that practice mentally. And a lot of people don't, and a lot of people do. Tiger's one of those guys that thrives off of knowing that he put in the preparation, and I just don't think you know physically that he's ever going to be able to do that. Do you, Woody? No, no, I, I, I want so desperately to think that Tiger can win again. But the more I watch guys, I mean, Father Time and Father Time's already toughing up on you. But when you start rolling SUVs and tweaking your back, and <laughs> you're just making it even harder on yourself. So, um, I, I, I hope we get to see a little more of Tiger, but. I'd just soon not see Tiger play if he's going to, you know, shoot 72s or 75s. That, that doesn't do anything for me. Well, Woody, anytime Tiger's on the golf course, I'm definitely going to watch. It's going to be either hard to watch or fun to watch, and, and I think the fun to watch moments are probably slipping by the wayside. Uh, guys, last thing we want to get to here is tell our listeners to be thinking about who they would like for us to nominate for these awards, for the Holy Awards next week. So I'll read down the list of each award, and we might throw in a couple fun ones, uh, some extra awards next week. But what we have on the list as far as the awards we gave out last year, which was the inaugural Holy Awards, uh, first we have the Patrick Reed Award, like I like I mentioned earlier, talking about Billy Horschel, which is for the D-Bag of the Year. We have the Mark Wilson Award for Favorite Moment at the Honda Classic. Uh, we have the Colin Montgomery Award. This is one of my favorites, probably my favorite award here. The sneakiest choke of the year is the Colin Montgomery Award. We have the uh, Justin Rose Award for Favorite European Player of the Year. We have the Darren Clark Award uh, for Dad Strength. I forgot we did that one, T-Dub. That's a good one. Uh, We have the the Lucas Glover Award for Worst Putt of the Year. Um, We have the Cam Smith Award for the Australian of the Year. We have the Best Facial Hair Award We have Mr. Irrelevant, which is official world golf ranking number 125. We might have to change the criteria there, T-Dub, for Mr. Irrelevant uh, on the PGA Tour. Uh, We have the uh, Laying Up with an Iron into the Hazard Award, uh, favorite Phil Mickelson shot. Um, And then we have the Biggest Bomb of the Year. We have the fan of the year. We have the most random winner of the year. We have the fun fact of the year. We have the most average season strokes gained total, whoever is in the middle. We have the Chesson Hadley Award, which is the worst chip of the year. We have the 73rd Hole Award, which is the best playoff of the year. We have the runner-up of the year. We have the player of the year. We have the favorite moment of the year, most respectful moment of the year. We have the announcer of the year. We have the worst shot of the year. And then Woody, we have the Woody. And it's not the Woody Award. It's just we call it the Woody. It's like our Oscar. And it's our favorite Woody story. So Woody, be thinking about your favorite story of the year, guys. Do you have any more awards? That's about, I don't know, 30 awards there that I wanted to let our listeners know to tweet at us and give us some nominees uh, before we do this next week. 
I, I can't yeah. wait to hear what some of the listeners want to give because, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. So we'll probably come up with some more awards even between uh, now and then to give. And uh, last year's show was such a hit. We got to, it was one of our more popular shows that we've ever done. So I expect this year will hopefully be um, somewhere similar. And, uh, you know, you know, last year we, we had our man Colby Powell uh, on the stage, but now we got our, our man Woody here. So uh, I expect there to be uh, maybe a little bit less uh, PG rated as than we had at last year's award show. <laughs> that's, that's exactly <laughs> right, Woody. Woody, are you excited for your first Holy Awards? Oh, my. Yeah, well, you guys have forced me this time, though. I've got to go do my homework. Because these awards, when I read that list, it, it caught me way off guard. I couldn't believe some of them. And, and then I got to thinking, oh, man, I got to keep this clean. Uh, you know, so, I, I you know, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I, if I was a, a listener of the 73rd hole, I would dang sure tune in for that. Because you're going to get some great uh, responses, I think. Absolutely, guys. So stay with us next week here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go to golfoklahoma.org. And also, Woody, go visit our friends at Quail Creek Bank, right? Oh, man. Well, here's what I was going to tell those guys about Quail Creek. Because a lot of people out there are small business owners looking for a bank that understands your unique financial needs. That, that happens a lot more than we realize. Would you like to develop a relationship with a banker who knows you and your family by name? Well, that's their mission at Quill Creek Bank. They are a family, and we consider our customers part of that family. So come experience the difference at Quill Creek Bank. You can reach them at 405 seven five five one thousand and they're located right there at 122nd in north may there is a difference i've said it all along go check it out definitely go check out our friends at quail creek bank they are the best in oklahoma city guys we'll see you next week here on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma <laughs>